millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the Culp Option Podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Okay, so um, if by fright you mean got really drunk, then yes, I did have a fright night last night, Richard. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, what what was the occasion? Um, it was my for the first time I went out for drinks with my uh, workmates. I've never done that before, and I was like, "You're oh, yeah. going to see a new side of me," and I delivered. And am here today <laughs> delivering the podcast to you, dear listener. Woefully hungover, terrible sleep. You're just a terrible a sleep delivery boy, aren't you? Yeah. Um, what what kind of hangover do you have? Um, at, I've never really known you to be one to get. No, hangovers. it doesn't usually happen. Um, I you're getting older. I yeah, exactly. The main thing that I remember happening was at some point I woke up, um, and then like. laid over on my side and all of a sudden the world was spinning and i had to like hold my hand in front of my face and like concentrate on a static object i mean everything (laughs) was static but i had to make the world static again um so that was pretty scary (laughs) i thought i was gonna die Um, (laughs) oh yeah nice been there um yeah i've just in the last like couple of years no i'm not even that long like a year i've finally sort of started to learn like when I'm inebriated that mm. I've now gained the ability to be like, you know what? This is my last drink. Mm. You know, I get to that point where it's like, if I have one more drink, I'm going to black out. <laughs> like, um, and then just switch to water for the rest of the night. And then I wake up right. like more or less fine the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. And if I sober up during the night, I'm usually fine the, the mm. morning after. Um, but I've knew I, I've, I've had a rested development when it comes to getting, drunk though richard because i didn't really get drunk till my 20s um so Mm. i'm i'm a few years behind most people i think um but do you know what else is a few years behind us is the release of (laughs) the fright night series (laughs) welcome along everybody to film franchise fortnights on the cold popcher podcast this is a podcast where we watch and discuss film franchises and this fortnight myself aj and my good buddy richard Hello. we are discussing the fright night series um which is a series of vampire horror comedy movies um released in the well, started in the 80s with the most recent one being in 2014 they consist of um the original film in 1985 fright night its sequel fright night part two in 1988 a remake also called fright night in 2011 and then what was marketed as another sequel to that remake um but is actually just another remake <laughs> um, yeah, in 2013 called fright night 2 new blood so 2013 or 2014 i thought it was 2014 
Fright Night 2. Fright, it's, I've got 2013. 2013. Yeah, it is. All right. So... Um, it, this is one of those weird franchises we have where um, it feels like it only technically qualifies as a franchise, but it's yeah, it's yeah. more it's more that it's a collection of movies about the same thing. If Fright Night Part Two, the original sequel, didn't exist, these would just be three remakes, and we wouldn't really count them for mm. the series for the podcast. Well, I guess although we probably wouldn't know until we watched them that, that Fright Night Two is, mm. and um, yeah. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, so the first film is this cult classic horror comedy, and all the preceding films basically piggybacked off that. Uh, despite having never seen them ourselves, the Fright Night films have plenty of cult popturian stuff to discuss. I'm mm. very excited, including some dumb IMDb trivia. Yay! <laughs> Quite a lot of it as well. Um, hey. And a tenuous tenuous connection to a grisly true crime story so i'm ready oh, to, really? wow. to get into this with you richard and let's start by talking about the original fright night in 1985 uh directed by tom holland <laughs> mm, who would later go on to um be born and play spider-man and then play spider-man <laughs> one of the best things about this podcast is discovering all the obscure directors who share names with more famous people like chris miller who directed um shrek 3 uh and is not the same chris miller from like the lego movie and of course mm. richard martin the earbud 2 director and yeah. not you who isn't the more famous <laughs> yeah <top option>. yeah <laughs> um what uh what do you think that fright night one has on Ron Tomatoes. Um, oh, I reckon like a seventy-ish. It's quite high, actually. It's ninety-two on Ron Tomatoes. Wow, awesome. Mm, yeah. So, what do you, what is this movie about? What is Fright Night nineteen eighty-five? Um, so, Fright Night is it's a very pure eighties horror, and it's cool to watch a film like this because it's not a slasher film, and we've and like we've covered these big horror franchises and and yeah. like eighties horror, and it's normally always just slasher films, but this is this is a little bit different. Um, and so it follows Charlie Brewster. Uh, who discovers that his new next door neighbor Jerry Dandridge is a vampire, um, and so he obviously you know he's gonna he struggles to get everyone to believe him, and then uh, he enlists the help of Peter Vincent, who is like a Peter Cushing, uh, Vincent Price type, mm-hmm. um, who hosts a TV show called Fright Night, yeah. which is. Um, and it's yeah, it's kind of one of those late night. Um, ooh, here's a spooky story kind of thing. Um, the closest analog I could think of is Booberella from The Simpsons, but yeah, I don't know what yeah. Booberella is a parody of. But uh, uh, Elvira, the mistress of the It's, it's dark. an Elmira thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elmira from um, Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, sh- um, so it's that. Yeah, it's that kind of thing where it's like he comes out of a coffin and he's a yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll do it. anyway. Um he yeah so then it kind of it culminates in this big showdown um once everyone's you know convinced that he's a vampire mm. uh, and they they hunt him down charlie's girlfriend uh amy gets turned into a vampire and he has to turn her back um there, there's a very famous uh iconic poster for this film with a very spooky yeah, vampire face in the clouds above a house and that face is what charlie's girlfriend ends up looking like when she becomes a vampire mm. um, yeah so check out the poster if you haven't seen it it'll be on the thumbnail yeah, for cool. this podcast 
Um, <laughs> so, what do you think? What do you think of Fright Night as a film? Uh, I thought it was fucking sick. I, I yeah. really liked it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like like I said, there's there's a purity to it, and like just watching it, and I was like, and because um, Chris Sarandon who plays um. Uh, was Jerry Dandridge? Jerry is so good. He he, he yeah, looks yeah. like he like a young Mark Ruffalo, mm. um, and but he's he's so charming and at the same time threatening yeah, uh, yeah. because there's a, there's a whole a reoccurring theme and and I guess like the first three, not so much in the last one, but about um that like it's an important point that vampires can't enter a building unless they're invited, mm. and then he gets invited and there's like probably my favorite scene in the movie, um where you know, Charlie comes home, sees the vampire in his house and is like, oh my God, I can't believe you invited him. And he's like, yeah, now that I've, now that I've been invited over, I'm probably going to be stopping by all the time, Charlie. Mm. Like it's, it's very, it's very good. And, and then the, the, the third act is, is a lot of fun. And there's um, one of those things that I didn't realize I knew until I saw it. I was like, oh, I have seen this before, but when the, the final showdown is about to begin, Jerry's like, welcome to Fright Night. Mm. And it's 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 it feels very iconic. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a very fun movie. Yeah. And I I, I very much enjoyed my time watching it. I I thought that that third act was um what elevated the film a lot for me. There's some very cool filmmakery prosthetic effects. Like it's 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 you know a bunch oh, of yeah. puppets filled with fake blood that gets splattered everywhere. The kind of stuff mm. we used to, we saw a lot of in the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels um yeah which was really cool uh and that that i think is where this movie sticks the landing in horror movie canon is that it's yeah it's pretty good prosthetic gore um which is always yeah very it, fun. It's, it's very kind of similar to the the first uh to american werewolf in london mm, um yeah it's like that has such an iconic transformation scene and there's some very similar techniques used mm. in this because um because they do encounter a werewolf um well sort of sort of yeah <laughs> we'll get to that um and there's there's a and that has a transformation scene which is very uh reminiscent of Mary yeah Lowell. so controversial i don't know if this is a controversial opinion i thought the the second act of this film i wouldn't go as far to say it sucked but I, it was losing me in the second act um where i was just kind of like oh this is just another 80s horror movie that doesn't translate you know space and time it hasn't hasn't doesn't, dated doesn't well. hold up yeah all right i thought you were saying hold up as in you're gonna do something uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so there's a part where where peter vincent who's the the tv show host agrees to help prove that jerry is a vampire and the methods they try to do this is they just go to jerry's house and jerry charlie knows jerry is a vampire and jerry knows charlie knows he's a vampire right so it's mm. all about trying to convince peter vincent that he's not a not a vampire and um the methods they try are crucifixes and holy water which have no effect on him um we later find out that's because he's too powerful for those things to affect him anymore um but peter does indeed discover jerry is a vampire by accident when looking in like a pocket mirror and seeing jerry has no reflection and it's like obviously do that one first <laughs> like you don't need to get this guy to drink holy water you don't even have to talk to him you just sneak up to his house and shine a mirror in there like yeah. it, was, it just felt like such a um i don't know it's it's the kind of like i'm i'm not necessarily like a nitpicky plot hole kind of person but this is the kind of thing where it's like 
this is this is so obviously the first thing you'd do, but it's not. The well, most I think dramatic. it was it was more about like because they were trying to kill him as well. Yeah. So the, the, so they want to go in guns blazing, so to speak. I mean, they, they, like they, they, it's interesting because that didn't like stick out to me no. at all as odd, and I thought it was quite a cool moment where. Um, where Peter um like sees the reflection because um because you messaged me like I I was very late in watching these films I've been quite busy I I I watched the the remake and it's quote unquote sequel um this morning yeah. <laughs> like um but um you, yeah you messaged me earlier in the week to say like uh Friday Night has a real cool third act but the second act is real slow so don't get discouraged yeah and I was like um I was like, oh, well, I wonder when the movie's going to slow down. And I paused it to see how far through the movie I was. And I was like an hour and 10 minutes into it. And so I was like, oh, I, I guess the second act is over. Because I was like, this, feel, this really feels like the start of the third act. Okay. Um, and, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I was like, okay, well, when's the second act going to slow down? And I was like, oh, I'm through it. I just, yeah, I... I Maybe, th- maybe this movie didn't drag me, me at maybe any point. Maybe it's just me. Um, I guess you're just more nitpicky with plot holes. Oh my god! Oh, like uh, one of the AJ of- famous CinemaSins <laughs> subscriber. One of the main characters in this film is this is like he's not really Charlie's best friend. He's kind of like incorrectly labeled that in like the lore of the series. Uh, but yeah. he's more just this guy he knows named Ed, who they call Evil or Evil Ed. Like his nickname is Evil. Um, yeah. And the characterization of Evil Ed in the first film was such a baffling creative decision to me because I found him so irredeemably annoying. Like he's like, hey, Brewster. Like he talks like that the whole way through. He's just, I just found him so horribly unlikable until he gets bit and becomes one of the vampire villains and i was like oh i get it like this (laughs) character was always supposed to be a vampire and they don't like you know what i mean like he as a vampire it's like he's creepy because he's so annoying and childish and scary but before that he just seems like a uh, (laughs) like a like a really annoying kid i would go to high school with yeah Um, i mean it it was the 80s dude yeah, everyone was annoying. Everyone was everyone annoying was in annoying. the 80s. <laughs> um, but there's some great stuff when he when he when he does become a vampire. I put on Instagram the main picture for this movie was when um, he tries to attack Peter Vincent after he first turns into a vampire, and Peter Vincent presses a, a cross into his forehead, and it like burns a hole in it. It looks very cool. Um, so a lot of cool stuff there again with the prosthetic effects. Um, but this character, I'm surprised, Richard. I'm surprised you like this film more than me because when that character was rising to prominence, I was like, Richard's gonna fucking hate this character. <laughs> I, I had nothing against him. Yeah, interesting. I guess you just don't really know me that well. Well, maybe you don't know me. Let's introduce you. You know when when like couples start again and they're like, "Hi, I'm AJ," and they shake hands and it's like a big turning point for them. Uh, is that something that you think that all couples do? Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> you mentioned before that they encounter a werewolf, and that is not entirely true. Um, so there's oh, is a it part- a shapeshifter like in um, Twilight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not children of the moon. Um, <laughs> no, so in, in the third act of the film, um, Peter Vincent is once again fighting Evil Ed, and Evil Ed turns into a wolf. And when I was watching the movie, I was like, what? 
why is he <laughs> turning into a wolf? Um, and I looked it up and I was like, why? And actually a co-worker who really loves these movies talked to me about it. And apparently uh, Fright Night is a bit more of a deep cut than your typical vampire story because traditional vampire lore actually states that they can turn into not only bats, uh, but also rats, mist and wolves. Um Nice. Which I think is a really interesting piece of lore because it clearly indicates that despite being so linked in pop culture now, werewolves and vampires weren't conceived as the Jack and Dexter and Ratchet and Clank of <laughs> of like, you know, mythical horror monsters. Because if you're designing, you know, a, a, a dichotomy of two monsters and one's a vampire and one's a werewolf, you then wouldn't, wouldn't give one of them... 100% of the powers of, of the <laughs> yeah, other yeah, monster, yeah. right? It's it's very much moving in on, on the werewolf's brand. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I never, I never knew that, which is surprising that no other vampire media I've seen has delved into yeah. this deeper lore. Because they do turn into mist and rats as well at different points in the story. I guess a wolf mm. is a more sh- you know, striking <laughs> thing to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we're so familiar with werewolves. Children of the Moon, sorry. Children of the Moon. Thank you, Stephanie Meyer. Um, So the screenplay (laughs) was written by Tom Holland, who apparently was, quote, laughing the entire time, literally on the floor, keeping, kicking my feet in the air in in hysterics, is the quote. (laughs) And it's like... very cute. I don't know if it's that funny. Yeah. Is it so (laughs) funny? Like it's not even a, I'm not even critiquing the movie. It just happens to be maybe more of like a quirky horror than a comedy, you know. But it's like it was so funny. I was kicking my feet in the air in hysterics while writing it. I was try. I couldn't write it. My hands fell off the typewriter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of quotes like this. Like it's it's this. I, I picked this one specifically because I thought it was funny. But like. There are a lot of quotes from the people involved and a lot of the fans and the cult following around it that indicate that this series, and especially this first film, were very was very special to a lot of people, um, which isn't necessarily surprising in its own right, but like the fact that I didn't even know Fright Night was about vampires going in, you know, like I, it's right. weird to, to find this pocket of pop culture with all this passion brimming beneath the surface you know that you never Mm. knew about you know even though i haven't seen i don't know avatar the last airbender i still see all the hype for it and you know it's it's, you 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 walk you walk your life as a movie buff thinking you know every corner even if you haven't seen it and then turns out everyone loves fright night yeah including me we're in can i can i pick well i like it more than you yeah can i piggyback (laughs) off your love to get into the club (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're like lining up and they're like how much do you love fright night and i'm like how much do i love fright ask richard man <laughs> <laughs> no well, I'll, I'll just get my id and then i'll get in and then i'll hand it to you out the back uh, and then you can use it to get cause, in because we look the same because we look the same very good um so you mentioned that uh peter vincent was inspired by peter cushing and vincent price uh the role was offered to vincent price um who turned it down because he was over being typecast in horror movies and by 1985 was um you know quite old quite old um but the this is the, do you want to know a fun behind the scenes fact that'll make your eyes water <laughs> 
No. Oh, okay. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yes. So, apparently, the most excruciating part of the makeup process for the cast were the contact lenses. Uh, in those days, the lenses were hard plastic, hand-painted with glitter. They were liqueured oh, and God. sanded. The cast could only wear them for a maximum of 20 minutes because they were virtually blind in them, and they were thick, painful, and dried out their eyes. That is the worst, like, like yeah. makeup struggle I've ever heard from any film <laughs> that sounds horrible imagine having to act like imagine having to act and being like i'm go- i'm going blind this is permanently mm. ruining my vision that's horrific <laughs> there, there is a story of someone that like an actor that you know was was doing the whole method thing mm. and very nearly permanently blinded themselves because they kept contacts in all day that they were like you know keep i only keep these in for like 20 minutes wow um yeah, that's freaky. Mm. Hard contact lenses. No, thank you. No. With glitter? <laughs> oh, God. <Yeah. laughs> well, presumably the glitter would have been, like, varnished in, right? So the outer layer. Yeah, is... yeah, you'd think so. Not just you'd like, hope so. Yeah. God. Yeah, because they would still have glitter in their eyes to this day. <laughs> uh, do you have any more thoughts on Fright Night 1 before we move on to the next ones? We will be, you know hopping back and forth to talk about uh no yeah i'm ready to move on i'm ready to move on to friday night part two in 1988 this was directed by tommy lee wallace um who has directed one other significant film for this podcast that we we watched on film franchise fortnights uh can you guess what that film is can i have a clue um it's another iconic horror film uh and it's probably it's a very notable one but it is a sequel but it is not it is not just your average run-of-the-mill horror movie sequel. Is it one of the Jaws movies? No. Cool. <laughs> he also directed Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Ah, very um, cool. So there you go. Uh, Tom Holland did not return as he had scored a new gig directing Child's Play, um, which mm. we haven't covered on the podcast, but remains kind of like the one out on the horizon. It's our white whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Stephen Jeffries, um, who who played Evil Ed, um, he didn't return despite there being a cliffhanger at the end of the first film implying that he survived and was still alive uh, because he was starring in a movie. He was actually scored the lead role in another horror movie at the same time called 976 Evil. Who do you think directed that movie? This is a fun game. You just you've got the Tom entire Holland. world of IMDb at your disposal. And you Tom Holland. No, uh, Robert England directed it. Oh well, nice. Freddy Krueger himself. It is apparently not very good. <laughs> uh, what, does it have a sequel? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it does. <laughs> Maybe we should check it out. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Fright Night Part Two is on Ron Tomatoes. Uh, I imagine yeah, this this one will be closer to your just barely fresh kind of. Mm. 69 nah man it's only got 33 percent on Ron really Tomatoes, interesting which is pretty low i thought um yeah w- what is this movie about there might be a reason for why it's such a low score it doesn't have very many reviews so we'll get to that in a uh 976 evil does have a sequel oh. 976 evil 2 the astral factor oh. <laughs> so i guess um yeah if, if you guys want us to cover that head along to our patreon mm. um so, uh, Friday Night 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a couple of years later, and Charlie has been in intense therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and He's a college student now. 
yeah, he's a college student, uh, and he's essentially this the the uh, therapy that he was going through was to clear him mentally and um, make him believe that Jerry was just a serial killer that he stopped and not actually a vampire. Um, but then, oh, there's another vampire in town. Um, and then this movie, uh, I found the hardest to follow out of <laughs> out of them. Um, so there were moments where it, where it would lose me for a bit. Right. So the new vampire in town is named Regine, and she is Jerry's sister, and so she is seeking revenge on Charlie for killing Jerry, and the way she plans to do this is by turning him into an immortal vampire and then torturing him for eternity. Um, so that's sort of the main crux of the plot. Peter Vincent's back, but this time he's got a new girlfriend as in Charlie has a new girlfriend. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I thought, I thought, I don't know. I thought this was a pretty competent sequel. Yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of just a, like, uh, a worthy successor, but not quite as good. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but again, it's one of those, like, the, just the the purity and the simplicity of the first one right. elevates it, whereas like everything on paper and and on film is is just as good as the first one. I think I I preferred the prosthetic stuff in this one, the 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 blood and gore. There's a you're a, crazy a whole a whole <laughs> section a whole like um uh team of vampires in this one, and one of them is uh this big dude who's actually I'm pretty sure he's in the X Files, which is how I recognized him. Um, and he <laughs> he eats bugs all through, like he'll find a bug and eat it, and then at the end he gets sliced open and lit- like actual maggots like fall out of his belly, and yeah, they were, yeah. they were real maggots, and I thought that was a very cool, cool, fun, gross prosthetic effect kind of thing. Um, yeah, so. One one big criticism I have for both the first two films, though, and it kills me to say this because it seems so counter to what I usually enjoy. Um, I think the inclusion of the actual fictional TV show Fright Night really weakens the believability of the story, especially the second one. Like I, I usually love when movies are about movies or show business, right? I'm, right. Like, I'm like, cool, what's the, you know show me how it works show me what's going on but this just demonstrates that there's like a clear lack of understanding of how tv show productions work like peter vincent um has the show back and then he loses it to regine the vampire and it's just like he gets told that he's fired when he shows up to work and it's not very like <laughs> there are processes for this and like this woman can't just come and take over the show i'm pretty sure fright night is like peter vincent's intellectual property as well yeah well i mean i don't know matthew lillard found out he wasn't gonna be in scoob via a tweet announcing <laughs> that um what's his face that's playing? true maybe this is the same thing in a in a pre-twitter yeah time. I, like i don't know it's it, it's a very low budget not very well respected kind of show i would believe it okay i guess so oh one other thing that's in this film is that the vampires are repelled by roses which is another one of those deep cut law things it's, mm. like it's not only garlic it's also roses um because they both smell real good that's true but for very different reasons mm. like you and me <laughs> <laughs> which one am i well we don't have a one-to-one analog but we both smell different for good for very different reasons what are the reasons i'll leave that up to 
I'm fanning. <laughs> it's up to it's up to our listeners to decide why. Let us know. Let us know in the comments or on the Discord um, what we smell like and why each of us smells that way, and why they're both good. Mm. You you so we we do this podcast over Google Hangouts, and um, the way I've I've uh, sized the screen of you right now, you are so low in the camera that the big circle red hang up button is covering your nose, and you look like a clown, and it's very funny. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna take a photo and, and show you it later, if that's okay, okay. with you. You're like I don't want to look stupid. Don't. <laughs> uh, this is great. This is good content. Yes. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> anyway, okay, enough tomfoolery, Richard. Um, when planning for a third film, which we'll get more into detail on later, uh, Roddy McDowell, who played Peter Vincent, he like loved that character. He loved playing nice. him so much. I like that. Um, and was so eager to bring the original creator and director, Tom Holland, back to the franchise. So he set up a meeting with Holland and Carlico Pictures chairman, Jose Menendez. However, before the meeting could occur, Menendez and his wife were murdered by their sons, Lyle and Eric, the Menendez brothers, who are quite a big, you know, are quite a famous true crime case. Um, not only did Damn. this stop another sequel, um, but it also interfered with the release of Fright Night 2, which attained an extremely limited theatrical distribution before being dumped on home video um, by one of the subsidiaries. That's my theory for why the critic score is so low, is it's got it's only got like right. nine reviews or something like that. And it's, right, interesting, interesting. Um, so it's probably it's probably not a very very widely seen film. No, not at, at all. all yeah. um, Lyle and Eric, uh, and if you if you have sort of a passing interest in true crime this the story of the menendez brothers has come up a bit recently because someone found a a basketball trading card for a certain basketballer and in the background in the crowd you can see the menendez brothers watching the game like the the night after like they just killed their parents and then they went to the game so you can see wow. them in the back of this photo um but yeah there you go so a, a tenuous tie to a um to a true crime story that wow. also potentially affected the legacy of the series. Damn. Um. Do you have? What you know, do you, what I do don't. You... I I don't like the Menendez brothers anymore. <laughs> what do you? What do you? Do I, you have... I, I just heard of them now. Um. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Do you have any more thoughts on um Fright Night Two? I feel like Fright Night Part Two. I should say. I feel like the the climax is real good. I don't. I just feel like this is a real good movie. And it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's cool. It's like if you like the first one, I can't imagine why you wouldn't like this one. Yeah, yeah, except for those nine critics who clearly, well, actually, what six of them didn't, nine of them did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh cool. All right. Well, how many years later is 2011 from 1988? Go. Uh, uh, 23. 23 years later. We got Fright Night in 2011, directed by Craig Gillespie, um, who I don't think we recognize. I looked him up to see if there were any fun little idiosyncrasies, and there weren't. Um, what do you think, Fright he's, Night? He did, he's done some interesting movies, though. Um, none we've like covered he did, on the podcast, um, though, I mean. Huh? We're, none that we've covered on the podcast, I mean. Yeah, yeah, but he's he did, like, I, Tonya. Mm. He did Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think Fright Night 2011 has on Rotten Tomatoes? 
70. It's got 72. Very close. Um, what do you think? What What do you think this movie is about? Uh, so it's a, it's a remake of the first one. Um, uh, major changes. Um, so in this one, uh, Jerry Dandridge is played by Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character is played by Anton Yelchin. His mum is Tony Collette. His girlfriend is Imogen Poots. The Poots! Um, yeah. Imogen Gay Poots. That's her full name. Oh, um, <laughs> gay Poots. Imagine surviving high school with that. Um, uh, but and the Peter Vincent character is now a Chris Angel mind freak type played by David Tennant like mm-hmm. every single character in this film is like a recognisable actor it's insane um, and like Dave Franco um, and Christopher Mintz Plus what'd you think what'd you think uh, this movie fucking rocks <laughs> this movie fucking rock dude I thought this was great like, I, like the- I, I, this this is uh, one of those movies. I remember when this came out, I remember the the giant poster at my local movie theater and just thinking that looks fucking terrible. Like yeah. I was like, I knew it was a remake of a of a of a horror film. And so I was like, God, and like the poster is trash. The poster is fucking trash. <laughs> um and it, it was just like, there's no way this is gonna be good. And I went up until this week just assuming this movie was bad. Yeah. You know? Like if anyone had asked me, oh, what's Fright Night 2011? Like, I'm like, I haven't seen it, but I can tell you it's fucking awful. <laughs> um But oh my god, it fucking rocks. It's, it's fucking awesome. Rocks, it's probably it's probably the best horror remake we've covered on the podcast. It, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely is. Um yeah. what I think sets it apart from most horror remakes and, and indeed most horror films in general, um, especially of this era of the 2010 to, to mid yeah. 2000s to mid 2010s horror movie um one of the famous dead zones of for, for horror as mm. a genre um i thought that the characters were great yeah and so many horror movies the characters are just whatever forgettable you know yeah um like so- like when because it, it follows all the same plot beats yeah and um like amy gets uh, gets better and i was genuinely like oh man yeah yeah but then obviously like they'll find a way to turn it back <laughs> but um it's it, it, it's 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 a very like cool way because it, it does bring over everything you liked from the original mm. but it's like it almost feels like a, a dream of the original like mm. um the uh, what's his face who wrote Annihilation the film read the book once years Alex Garland oh uh, yeah yeah Alex Garland he um read the book like years earlier and didn't reread it mm. um and he just kind of like wrote the movie based on what he remembered from the book and it's kind of like that in a way it's like oh there's a scene at a club but it's like in a different place in the film yeah, and yeah. there's like all these different things um and like you said the characters like like everyone and this film is like an amazing actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and I, oh, it's, it's it's so much fun. I thought I thought Anton Yelchin, who I've only sadly just started to become familiar with because of this podcast. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. Um, he's such a likable lead as Charlie Brewster. Um, Colin Fa- Colin Farrell as Jerry the Vampire. He's so fucking good. He's so yeah, scary, but he's also kind of like deliciously cheesy. It's like yeah, well, and, and he's sexy. Yeah, he's sexy, and it's 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 one of those roles where it's like if Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell strikes me as someone who's probably played a lot of roles that that were kind of a struggle to get through because he's been in a few bad, he's been in a few stinkers. I feel like this is one of those healing roles where it's like you get to play Jerry Dandridge and it's this super fun, super mm. chewing the scenery kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I thought that I really liked um Imogen Poots who plays Amy 
Charlie's girlfriend and Tony Collette, who plays Charlie's mum, their particular dynamic that they had with each other is the mm. kind of relationship you just never see on screen. And I yeah, really and, love and that. Yeah, and neither of them are really damsels in distress. No, like, not they, at all. They, they feel like they have their own agency. Yeah, yeah. And they don't they don't need to be saved. Like, Anton Yelchin does save them. But, yeah, you know, yeah. like, they... There's a very like can fight for themselves kind of kind mm. of thing, and yeah, and I just love that they were they had a good a good mother girlfriend relationship. I, you know, I just don't I, I don't know I don't remember the last time I saw a movie where there was like a pleasant relationship between those two types of characters. Yeah, um, David Tennant is uh, a very different Peter Vincent, as you said. He's yeah. more of a Chris Angel, fake TV magician, um, and he is great in this. He was one of the standouts in the reviews. People were like Colin Farrell and David yeah. Tennant are the are the um, just chewing the scenery. Yeah, like absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Christopher Mintz Plass, I thought was a much more palatable evil Ed, um, <laughs> who is actually used pretty sparingly in the movie. Same as Dave Dave Franco, who maybe wasn't famous when this movie came out i mean this is pre like 21 jump street yeah i feel like you would yeah. use dave franco more if he was famous by this point because he's, yeah. he's very yeah tw- 21 jump street was his, his breakout right. role um i i never i've i didn't like the other version of evil ed but it felt like the movie wanted me to like him Christopher right. Mintz places Evil Ed as like, yeah, this guy's a, a gross, nerdy incel kind of character. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, the, the way he talks about like Charlie's girlfriend, it's it's like when, when she's not there, he's like, oh, you know, I know she's hot, bro, but you, you leave behind your friendship for, for, for her. And it's yeah. like, I feel like the... You you almost feel like the story wants you to be like it's a story of how Charlie realizes he shouldn't have ditched his friend until it was too late. But no, the movie is not framing it that way at all. It's like Charlie yeah. doesn't hang out with this dude anymore because he's a skeevy little creep, and like yeah. it's so it, it allows you to just immediately not like Ed, and which yeah. I feel enhances the movie. Um, yeah, so I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, like the the, the humor is really good as well in the mm-hmm. film. Yep. Um, and oh god, it's it's so much fun. <laughs> I it, really like that. Yeah. Um, Charlie. So Charlie and Amy in the first film, it begins with him trying to like pressure her to put out, which is a very 1985 acceptable couple dynamic, I guess, to show on screen. But yeah. it, it does have like shades of like oh these days. Um, not you know not the worst thing in the world, but because he's he's still mm. relatively respectful about it i guess but um i really like that in the remake charlie and amy consummating their relationship was understated and depicted as mutual nervousness between the two you know like it's it's like they they both want to do it but they're both nervous and it's mentioned in the film like three or four times it's not really that big of a deal um and I just thought that again it's like the whole um seeing a relationship between a girlfriend and a mum it's like I don't see this enough in horror movies like a a nervous couple who haven't had sex yet you know it's I don't know it's mm. cool um I yeah overall I would just say that I I really loved the characters and I would love to revisit them which sadly we can't now which is yeah it's, it's weird like when Anton Yelchin died it wasn't it was like oh the guy from Star Trek and now after Terminator and <laughs> and Fright Night yeah, I'm like oh, man. like we yeah, did yeah I'd I'd watched um a film called Like Crazy that he's in right um which is a very good film it's a very um uh 
it's very hard to watch like in terms mm. of it's, it's a very realistic kind of portrayal of a romance and the issues that for that come with that and that, that's also got uh felicity jones in it oh, right. um but yeah that kind of made me made me appreciate his him as an actor and then i was quite sad when he passed away right because he, he was he's so young and he like he's one of those he was great in everything he was in and he just um yeah he had his whole career ahead of him mm. yeah he was did- he was in movie 40 he's like one of the only people who managed to escape movie 43 <laughs> as well he played he, he was in a skit in a sketch where he played um a necrophiliac who worked at a morgue <laughs> Um, and it's and it's very briefly seen in a trailer, but it's not in the film. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it might be on the DVD or whatever. But. Right. I think that um, that we, when we we recently, well, a few weeks back now, it was a few months maybe even, um, we did a podcast on um, dead actors who would have been perfect for roles made after they died, and we had yeah. someone write in saying Anton Yelchin would have been great for Paul Atreides and the new Dune, and now I oh, feel yeah. comfortable in being like, yeah, absolutely, like <laughs> this this role you know nothing about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it seems like I mean if if um Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> if Timothy Chalamet cast, can play it, yeah, the exactly, Anton Yelchin exactly. could have yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. So narratively, I think Fright Night 2011 is easily the stronger of the two Fright Nights. The only area I'd say it's clearly inferior is there are no juicy prosthetic effects. Um, which the original yeah, films there's a few 2011 isms in it. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. The fact it was clearly released in 3D. Yeah. Um, there's there's a few like things you can throw at a camera. Um, casting Christopher Mintz Plus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like there the, 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 yeah, there's a few things like that. And, yeah, and, and C- there, CGI like, monsters that don't look scary because they're CGI. That yeah. that sort of thing, which is like yeah. That does suck, and I can absolutely understand if you're if you like grew up in the '80s and were raised on horror, why this would be no match for the first one for those reasons. But I yeah. think this, if anything, this just speaks to how strong the story is. That, like, mm, even totally. despite all this, I'm like, this is my favorite Friday night. You know? Yeah. Um. If also just a random um, placement, but um, if you are interested in Anton Yelchin led horror films, uh, you should watch Green Room. Oh yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I very, very Imogen, cool movie. The Poots is in that as well. Yeah, Imogen Poots. Um, and it's um, Patrick Stewart plays the the head of a like Nazi neo Nazi gang. It's it, it's very um very like realistic kind of mm. horror, very but cool. it's very good movie. It's very good. Movie. So apparently, Steven Spielberg provided a great deal of of input for this film, which is interesting. I looked, I looked up like it's like he helped with these two scenes. I can't remember what scenes it wasn't very interesting, but the fact right. Spielberg's got his name on it, I thought was like, oh yeah, that might be why it's it's a it's a cut above your average um, horror mm. movie remake. And it's um, interesting. It starts with the DreamWorks logo. Does it? Yeah, like the 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 um you know ripple in the in the pond and then pan up to the the little boy in the moon (laughs) um so during the last thing i've got to say on uh friday 2011 is during um a screening for the original film at monster palooza in 2012 (laughs) the cast of the original film we're talking about the remake and i've got some quotes of what the original cast thought of the remake um i think amanda beersy who played amy says said as a standalone horror movie it was very well done it didn't lessen the appeal of the original it was just more of a one-note film um the guy played evil ed so steve jeffries someone jeffries he said um he said he only watched the first 20 minutes and then turned it off um the 
Stark and Ragsdale, I'm not sure who they are, I think Ragsdale played Charlie, were the only two people in attendance um, at their theatre, and Ragsdale said he liked an early draft of the screenplay, but he wasn't particularly enamored with the final result, um, and thought there was kind of a nastiness to the evil Ed character, um, which is Hmm. like, I would say, yeah, because I don't want to like evil Ed. His name's fucking Evil Ed, (laughs) like... (laughs) Um, um, yeah, don't listen to them. This movie, like, there's there's no way this movie should be as good as it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, the fact that this has 72% on Rotten Tomatoes is insane. Like, mm. a Fright Night remake with that fucking poster shouldn't yeah. be good, like, at all. <laughs> um, one last quote here. Um, when asked his thoughts in 2015, Tom Holland talked about the remake and he said kudos to them on every level for their professionalism, but they forgot the humour and the heart. They should have called it something other than Fright Night because it, ha- it had no more than a passing resemblance to the original. What they did to Jerry Dandridge and Peter Vincent was criminal. Smiling, he added, outside of that, it was wonderful. And it's like, yeah, you're just too close to it, Tom Holland. Like, Yeah, like, hard out, hard out. It's like... It, it, like it, it's not even like they improved on the original it's just like it's just a very good time of a film yeah um also it's worth mentioning that um there's a there's a, a like a chase scene in the film where um uh, jerry is driving after uh charlie his mom and his girlfriend um and then they kind of stop in the middle of the road and have a little bit of face off and this random car drives up and yeah. it's like and this guy gets out is like hey what's going on everyone uh, and that's chris uh, sarandon who played jerry in the original yeah yeah no yeah it, so there's there's a lot of back and forth it's real interesting to, to pick a side on this and then read what the other side is saying and being like mm. whatever man like the idea of saying what they did to jerry dandridge and peter vincent was criminal and it's like they are literally the two best parts of the movie it's like, <laughs> yeah. like would you would you prefer david tennant just played peter vincent the exact same way like surely that's not what you would want, yeah it's it's, it's a it's a it's a great it's a very 2011 update but um i mean jerry is fantastic in this movie. colin farrell is amazing yeah i agree i agree uh do you have any more thoughts on friday night 2011 no just go watch it go watch it um and while you do that allow us to partake in a couple of randomly placed oh a couple of randomly placed useless statistics i've only got two but feel free to think of any more if you can um so i've got a boring one and then a very funny silly one so i'll go <laughs> yeah. the boring well it's not boring we'll, we'll probably find it entertaining i don't know how many other people will um the fright night remake Jeremy is the 24th it. film from 2011 that we have watched for film franchise Fortnites, which is actually the most popular year for franchises we've covered um, wow. so we've watched more films from 2011 for, for film franchise Fortnite than any other year other 2011 films we've watched include the girl with the dragon tattoo mission impossible ghost protocol hellraiser revelations happy feet 2 spooky buddies sharpay's fabulous adventure and a cinderella story once upon a song those are some of the other it's just a wee selection <laughs> yeah um We've we recently paid to upgrade our letterboxed account, which gives us all these wonderful stats. And so I, <laughs> I dipped into there to see what was going on with with any stats we could relate to this. Um, and my other useless statistic is Fright Night is the second franchise we've watched this year, very recently as well, to have a film which stars Anton Yelchin replacing another actor in a relatively iconic role in Terminator Salvation. He plays Kyle Reeves. Kyle Reese? Kyle Reese. Reese. Um, and also, it also it also stars someone with uh, stars a character with the surname Brewster, 
because Catherine Brewster is in no, Terminator yeah. 3, um, and has multiple movies in the series which ignore previous continuity, but in some way ignore the fact that they're reboots at the same time. Um, because I, I'm going to be Terminator honest with you, sequels, I think I think the 2011 fact was way more fun. Really? Oh. Yeah. What does that say about us? What about us? <laughs> what about Bob? Um, but... D- do you know what I mean, though, is that, like, they, the Terminator sequels get to the point where it's, like, they're not, they, like, don't want you to think of them as reboots, even though they basically are, especially, yeah. like, Genesis, and the same yeah. with Fright Night 2, The New Blood, in 2013, um, which is marketed as Fright Night 2, despite not being a sequel. Um, and also, there's another statistic, what, our second franchise to have New Blood as a subtitle after Friday the 13th? Mm, very Part good, yeah. 7? Yep. Uh, cool. So, Friday Night 2 the New Blood 2013, directed by Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, it has no critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, baby. No. Yes! Yes! <laughs> this is where we are. This is what we're dealing with. Uh, this was a straight to DVD release, so it does have a 17% audience score. Um, what is this movie about? <laughs> this is like a Mad Libs version of the original film. Um, <laughs> where it's like Charlie and his friends in Romania, oh. um, <laughs> like find out they're living next door to a vampire named uh, a sexy female vampire oh. named Jerry Dandridge. Um, so that's and, it. It's set in. It's on a Romanian school field trip. Well, yeah, a, and they've an got an American um, field trip to Romania, and Jerry is now Jerry with a G and an I. Um, yeah, and, and she's um, their sexy professor, yeah. um, who's also a sexy bisexual vampire. Mm. A bisexy vampire. Yeah. Sexy, <laughs> in, sexy in two ways, much in the way that you and I smell two different ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot more straight to video. There's mm. This is what I expected Fright Night 2011 to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's very long extended shots of... of naked breasts mm-hmm. um there's like poor lighting there's continuity errors there's uh, just just all around bad filmmaking anytime the film comes to like a climax they go i know what will fucking make this yeah. <laughs> and they just and they just put like a strobe lighting effect over it yeah. and it's so fucking hard and frustrating to watch yeah. like i don't have epilepsy or anything but oh my god i could not stand watching <laughs> The, those scenes so it's infuriating so what do you think of the film uh it's not very good <laughs> it sucks man this is as bad as fright night 2011 is good um yeah like it actually i, I really wanted to like this film mm. I, I i was like man imagine if fright night is one of the best franchises we've covered <laughs> like um but my god yeah this film was just like and then so the, the climax of the film is uh because okay so it's friday night two as well so it's supposedly just following on from the next from the the last film we've got different actors playing Mm. charlie and amy and he's like oh i think the professor's a vampire and amy's like a vampire oh my god like you sound delusional and it's like you just fought one you were a vampire for a little bit like what are you talking about (laughs) well yeah and also it's it's clearly not like supposed to directly follow on um but it's just funny like that reading of the film that it's supposed to be a direct sequel that it's like you're what are you talking about (laughs) um and also um peter vincent in this film is um like 
Oh, what's the kind of show that like, like ghost those hunter. like ghost hunter kind of thing where you know the, the the shows where they they wander around um a castle at night with like a a night vision camera on and uh, I'll be honest this might be the most realistic portrayal of what a Peter Vincent type would be yeah um and so like th- that that's that's the one thing I'll say in the film's favor is mm. that like I actually thought it was a clever. Because the the Chris Angel Peter Vincent, it was a little bit like obviously this is what you're going to do. Every inter- like reinterpretation of a magician was Chris Angel mm. in 2011. But this one of like it's some low budget, no one respects. Like yeah. that's what your vampire expert would be, you know? Yeah, he was um, inspired by Bear Grylls this time. I, I was going to say he looks like Bear Grylls yeah. as well. Yeah. So, and I think yeah, I think. That is maybe the coolest thing about Fright Night as a franchise is seeing the different interpretations of the Peter Vincent character. Yeah. Um, and certainly the best part of this film. Um, but yeah, what a load of shit. Um, the the directing, I thought, was real bad. Sorry, Eduardo oh, yeah, so, Rodriguez. So, um, yeah, um, there's, there's one bit that like infuriated me. So he's Charlie looks uh, out of his window and sees um, his sexy new professor getting it on with some sexy lady and then the the woman she's making out with starts to bleed and he's like what's going on um and it's like they're looking directly out the window across at each other as if they're like at eye level to each other and then he calls his friend in and the window is all of a sudden like two stories up from them and way to the right and it's like this is just bad filmmaking like what are you what are you doing? How do you not realize that those shots look nothing alike? Yeah. Like I didn't even realize it was supposed to be the same window. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought the actress who played Amy uh, was directed really inconsistently as well. So the the story starts and they are recently broken up. You know, they 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 vaguely say something about Charlie cheated on her, but then don't expand on it, it. Way, anywhere yeah. enough. Um, but like when they first talk in the film, it's like it's between four or five lines. It's like the direction she was given switches between she doesn't know Charlie that well, um, she has a wee crush on him, and only a fraction of a time of the time does it feel like she's his ex girlfriend. Like he's like Amy, and she's like, oh hey Charlie, and it's like. Oh, they've just met. Or, or like, this is the girl he has a crush on in his class. And it's like, Charlie, yeah. I can't do this anymore. And it's like, wait, what? Where are we? What is this relationship? Um, yeah. Uh, Evil yeah. Ed is back and al- alive and well again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he's played by, um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, There's no way this this actor is anyone noteworthy. Chris Waller. <laughs> Uh, the guy's name is um and he is somewhere in between the insufferable original version of evil ed and christopher mintz places no nah, he's ed. fucking insufferable what, he's the worst evil it ed. makes him worse because he's not a cartoon character like the original one yeah and true. the film also wants you to like him um and he's you know like one of the knockoff stifflers from the american pie film <laughs> that's 100 percent it um you said before that like you're talking like i know you, you said that the um that whenever this film reaches like a climax, it's like, I know what will make this better. And it goes all strobey. Um, The actual climax of the film is so poorly handled. So through a very convoluted set of vampire rules that were made for the film that I, I'm not going to bother try and explain. (laughs) It ends in, in this like pool of blood. Um, Yeah. And Charlie, uh, 
is hiding out and just when you think all is lost he jumps with a, with a wooden stake towards Jerry and it's good momentum I think he's he's just pulled it out of his heart I think because he becomes a vampire yeah. and he, he pulls it out and shows that it's missed his heart and you're like you know in the perfect world if I was invested in this movie I would have been like fuck yeah like this is the final showdown so he pulls yeah. it out of his chest and he jumps and he goes to stake the girl the the jerry and she blocks him and it's like no <laughs> end this now that would have uh, yeah, been like good- they spend so long on this pool of blood yeah. and like people get out and they get pulled back out and they get pulled underwater and it's like it's so hard to follow because you're like did this just fucking happen and then peter vincent rocks up and he shoots the vampire and it's like good momentum it's like okay end this now and then he misses and it's like oh my god let me out of this never-ending nightmare it's so (laughs) frustrating it reminded me of um another straight to dvd bad sequel we've watched for this podcast maybe one of the worst was legally blondes the straight to dvd (laughs) third legally blonde film which ends in a court case I can't remember what the subject was, but the arguments were so convoluted that it was like, what the fuck is going on? And so much (laughs) needs to be explained and so much needs to happen before you get to the point where you're like, and that's how we arrived at our conclusion. And almost in like, that's like, that was all in dialogue. This is all, as you say, in like blocking and action. And it's like, it's so convoluted. And we've talked before about like bad, good movies are simple. Bad movies are convoluted. And like, this is what it is, is that that climax is just goes on forever. I don't understand the rules of the universe. I don't understand why um, it's like if Charlie dies before a vampire, Amy can bite him, then Jerry will be unable to go out in the light. It's it's like oh, god. I, oh my god I don't care and leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but like the the films just feel so exploitative as well mm-hmm. like there's this whole scene of um very sexual overtones of Jerry um like teasing and torturing this woman mm. uh, and so she like strips her naked and seems to be kind of getting her off um and then she slits her throat and then she like you know strips her completely naked hangs her upside down so that her neck bleeds and fills this bathtub so jerry can be like rejuvenated yeah um and the film just like so the the the, the whole scene that's like it's five minute long scene it keeps cutting to the shot of charlie um and it's kind of a cool shot um it's like him like uh, hiding in like a, a coffin or something like that and he's just illuminated by like one beam of of mm. orange light which just with which illuminates one of his eyes um but oh my god the film just like keeps cutting back to like this woman's breast breasts and exposed genitals um covered in and blood. it's like so it's like supposed to be a grisly sad scene but it's filmed to be sexualized and it's always yeah and, and like there's, there's one bit where it like it cuts from like a wide like a wide shot so you can see her entire body to like just the same thing but slightly lower and it's like dun 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 and it's like this is very bad editing and directing <laughs> um and it like yeah th- th- this is one of the, the the only films that i've like noticed bad editing mm. and bad continuity 
and you know that, that it's worth pointing out. Hey, speaking of bad continuity, um, when and I didn't see this on the IMDb goofs section. I noticed this just myself. Um, yeah. When Amy is a vampire in, in the blood pool, you can see her reflection in the blood. Uh, nice. Do you know how easy your reflection is to mask out? Like that, if you are a VFX artist worth your salt, you can get rid of a reflection. It's so. It's. I was like, man, that's. I because it it was so in my face that I was like, they're going to reference this. It's going to be like, but wait, yeah. I can see your reflection, but they don't. That's really cool. Yeah. Um. This there's also a really gaudy animated comic section which tells the the backstory oh God, of yes. the vampire um that that evil ed tells and it's clearly wanting to be the deathly hallows like that famous mm-hmm. animated scene from the deathly hallows it's um it's also done like a very weird um thing that i've never i've never seen in an actual film but it's like they they use this weird morph mm. kind of thing between each shot so it'll be her like looking forward and then it'll cut to her looking out side or whatever it's turned and instead of just like cutting from one still frame to the other or animating in between it does this like it's it's like a preset in after effects you can drop on it that's just morph between the two warp morph warp stable yeah um, and it, it looks it looks so strange it's like yeah it's not something i've ever seen in like an actual film well hey that um idea is what got eduardo rodriguez the job he pitched that and they're like yep that's the, uh, the, the imdb words it like this is like and that's how we impress producers but i imagine with a straight to dvd movie it was more like eduardo was the only person to come in and was like i've got mm. this idea and they're like well he seems to be real passionate about it like <laughs> might as well just give it to him i feel like fright night is the least well-known story i've ever seen replicated this many times <laughs> you know like i'm used to seeing multiple robin hood movies or romeo and juliet movies or like a super iconic comic book storyline adapted into a superhero movie but i've now seen three separate movies about a guy named charlie brewster his girlfriend amy his super annoying and doomed friend evil ed and a vampire named jerry like y- yeah. you get to fright night 2 new blood and you're like why am i watching this again like because even like the first the friday night 2011 it's like you could change the characters names you know like it doesn't they don't have to keep the names but there's maybe there's something friday night 2 feels like it should have changed the names right so friday night because it's like they're not even the new blood yeah yeah friday night 2 could have just been a sequel by virtue of the characters having different names it's about the same kind of thing Yeah, yeah. yeah but like instead it's We've just seen a movie with these characters with the same names. Like at no point does um, does Charlie go, "Oh, the new pro- the hot new professor's called Jerry Dandridge." That was my neighbor's name. He was a vampire. I wonder if they're related. Well, Richard, um, we're moving into our segments now, and let's open the the door on a little mixing metaphors uh dumb imdb trivia which is of course one of our favorite segments on this show where we go look at the user submitted imdb trivia for these movies and find stuff that's either it's d- dumb. didn't need to be said 
it's either it maybe it's written poorly um so i've got some for each of the films so for the first film this is a direct quote verbatim from imdb trivia for for fright night 1985 it says not many people are aware that there are two unofficial remakes done in bollywood and india one is called wohi bayanak rat and the other is called kalpana house aka bungalow number 666 both were released (laughs) in the early 90s in both are lousy (laughs) <laughs> so early 90s the letter n both the letter r lousy oh in both are lousy that's oh my god that's the dumbest mm. IMDb trivia we've ever had <laughs> uh this um yep just should we have covered those no they're unofficial remakes so when right. i was very close to messaging you very late in the game being like um there's some bollywood remakes <laughs> but i did a bit of digging in it that they are not like officially sanctioned okay. by the fright night team um another piece of dumb imdb trivia for fright night 1985 is the director trademark for tom holland what do you think his director trademark is he played spider-man no um it's it's categorized as supernatural disbelief character sees something supernatural but can't get anyone else to believe him see also child's play and cloak and dagger it's like that's not I mean, his that's just, trademark that's a, yeah that's just a horror <laughs> <laughs> um and finally final piece of dumb imdb trivia for the first film charlie is said 62 times during the movie which is like it's the main character's name yeah um for part two fright night part two dumb imdb trivia this is the only piece i've got uh charlie is said 63 times during the movie wow. so one more time then that makes original. that retroactively makes the first one not maybe dumb. maybe um for the friday night remake uh, this is the only piece of god dumb imdb trivia for that film colin farrell expressed concern that his character was too much of a sexual predator and suggested script changes no changes were made <laughs> suck it colin farrell um and i've got a whole bunch for for friday night 2 the new blood uh, once he was in makeup, Chris Waller, who played Evil Ed, was so into his part that Eduardo Rodriguez had to keep reminding him he wasn't really a vampire. Oh, <laughs> fuck <laughs> off, Chris Waller. You sound horrible to be around. Like he dressed- That's such a, like, um, <laughs> just like a funny little anecdote you tell on the press tour. Yeah. And then it's been, like, regarded as fact, you know? But like- it's, it's like- he dresses up as a vampire and he's like, oh, we had to keep reminding him he wasn't a vampire because this goth actor was so fucking into being a vampire. He's like, yeah, I'm a real vampire. You go on Chris Waller's IMDb page, his profile picture is him in his vampire makeup from this film. <laughs> well, to, to, like, to me, it just sounds like he was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then like on set, you know, he's like, oh, you're not actually a vampire. <laughs> and they had a little laugh. Right, yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, and they're, they're sitting there and they're like, then the two chairs together. Like, oh, what was it like, you know, getting covered in that makeup? And he's like, oh, it was, it was so much fun. And the director's like, yeah, I, I had to keep reminding him he wasn't actually yeah, a vampire. Yeah, maybe that's and it. it's like, maybe I'm putting yeah. too much. Um, maybe I'm thinking Chris Waller is too much of a loser yeah <laughs> uh despite being a sequel to fright night 2011 there is absolutely no returning cast even being made three years prior to the death of anton yelchin star of the previous film and i'm just trying to like deconstruct what they mean by this even yeah. though he was still alive it's still not a sequel <laughs> even though they yeah what 
that, yeah, that he didn't return even though he was alive <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and like, they, it's not they—they they knew he was gonna die eventually, but not when the movie was made. <laughs> um, then we have two more pieces of dumb IMDb trivia, which are both about what the last one was about about it not being an actual sequel um despite having a two in the title this is not a sequel but a remake sorry this is it verbatim despite having a two in the title this is not a sequel but a remake but rather yet another remake of the original fright night whilst taking some elements from the original fright night 2 charlie makes no mention of having previously killed a vampire named jerry as he now hunts a vampire named jerry characters need convinced again that vampires are real having no memory of encountering them previously peter vincent is no longer a paranormal stage magician but rather a paranormal reality show host and again has no memory of having previously met charlie or that vampires are real jesus it's like it's shut up shut up i know (laughs) (laughs) and then the last one is this is a poorly executed revamped i put the emphasis there uh remake of the original fright night films from 1985 part one and 1988 part two it mixes elements of the first original film with elements of its 1988 sequel such as having a female vampire and that's about it um though jane murray who plays jerry dandridge in fright night 2 new blood gives a great intoxicating performance as the restylized (laughs) jerry the rest of the film and its character development and actors are completely forgettable critics refer to it as a foreign version of the american horror classic fright night no they didn't (laughs) i hate it's that it's that him this whoever wrote this like injecting their own opinion into it yeah gives a great intoxicating performance you can't put the word intoxicating in your imdb trivia yeah that is hard opinion yeah yeah unless you're talking about like the punch was spiked intoxicating (laughs) millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's the only scene that's all loud. That's true. All right. So now we're moving on to our one of our final segments of the show, which is continue the franchise where we pitch some sequels, where we think the franchise could go from here. But before we do that, let's look at some of the other media in the Fright Night universe, either released or unreleased. Um, According to IMDb in 2015, when asked if he could do a sequel to any of his movies, ignoring existing reboots for a YouTube fan questions video, writer-director Tom Holland replied that he'd like to do a follow-up to Fright Night, utilizing the original cast. He proposed, his proposed plot was that single father Charlie Brewster inherits his mother's home, and soon after taking up residence, his two teenage children become convinced that there's something evil in the house next door, namely Evil Ed, who was squatting in the abandoned mansion, attempting to resurrect jerry dandridge (laughs) in january 2017 tom holland announced that he was writing a fright night 3 novel and that in 2019 he would obtain the rights to the franchise and that a third movie would be happening 
Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, in terms of other media, Chris Griffiths directed along with producer Gary Smart the 2016 documentary film "You're So Cool, Brewster: The Story of Fright Night." This is the like, the final line of the first yep. one. Um, and there are also Fright Night comic books, which continue the story, an arcade video game where you play as Jerry, um, and an hmm. off-Broadway stage production, and of course the two unofficial Indian remakes, which of course are both lousy. Um, <laughs> let's talk about what we would want to do with the series. Richard, do you have any ideas? Um, well, I, part of me just kind of is like, just remake it again, <laughs> but I would love to see like the um, the Blumhouse um right. bloomhouse blumhouse like reimagining of this like put like you know the invisible man like put some you know social kind of thing in it. like colin farrell touched on it there but like you go full on with the like sexual predator nature of jerry mm. and like fully give it me some some yummy nummy nummy um social commentary <laughs> on top of Friday night because Friday night is such a great story i think that it's like a vampire moves next door and you're then like it's just it's real window with a vampire and yeah i mean and like i i could quite happily i mean obviously the kind of mad libs version we got in fright night 2 new blood uh didn't do it for me but i I would quite happily watch another decent film with this um story structure story structure you know yeah nice okay well um very cool i thought originally of like making a big song and dance about how we can't get a true sequel to the 2011 one now that um, Anton Yelchin has passed away, sadly, um, which is a real bummer. But then I thought I could instead just pitch something way sillier and stupider. And I was like, yep, let's remake it again, but I'm going to cast Charlie Day as Charlie Brewster. I'm going to cast Danny DeVito as Peter Vincent. And I'm going to cast Glenn Howerton as um, Jerry Dandridge. (laughs) yeah nice. so an always sunny in philadelphia fright night it's always fright at night as nice. my kitchen um, franchise my other um kind of idea that you could without very many changes make fright night 2011 a secret sequel to um to the um the original because there's a whole bit that um David Tennant's Peter Vincent has battled Jerry Dandridge before. Um, and, you know, you, you could add in, it would be kind of convoluted, but that, like, he's actually the original Charlie Brewster um, and he adopted the name Peter Vincent. Um, mm. And it's like, you know, Peter Vincent's a code name kind of thing. Wow. Um, and, you know, ad- adopted this stage personality based on the person who, like, helped him defeat Jerry Dandridge in 1985. Mm. Um, and you know, you would just not name Anton Yelchin's character, Charlie Brewster and no, no, man, you got to keep it. It's got to be a time as a flat circle. Um, all, all Charlie Brewster's inevitably meet and change their name to yeah. Peter Vincent and then meet another Charlie Brewster to fight a vampire yeah. named Jerry Dandridge. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like it kind of, it, for, for a very brief moment, it seemed like that's what was going to happen. Right. Nice. Well, Richard, uh, we're now at one of the um, sort of the the butt end of the episode uh, where we're going to rank that franchise. So over on letterbox.com slash culpopsha, you can find our lists for all the franchises we've ranked and we've got Fright Night here. So where are we ranking Fright Night? Is it above? It's above the Nymphomaniac constant. Would you agree? 
Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yep. So if we move slowly above, we've got Mighty Ducks, which I think I, we can safely say is better than um, High School Musical. I would say it's better than. I would put it up. I'm going to jump a few. I'm going to go up toward. Um, hmm. Do you think it is better than Jaws? Uh, like, it feels weird to say it's better than Jaws, but the franchise. It, Jaws. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. It's more consistent. Yep. Um, it's got one one blemish, three otherwise very good films. Hmm. Uh, is it better than Gremlins? Yes. Scary Movie? Yep. Final Destination? Yeah. Happy Death Day? I think we're finding our spot. Number 30. All right. Friday Night is the 30th best franchise we've watched for the podcast um and now to finish off the show we are going to reveal what our um next franchise that we're covering the next fortnight is um which was voted on by our patreon this week um or this past fortnight over at patreon.com slash and boy was this the most um exciting Exciting. franchise vote we've ever had on patreon people were like campaigning for different franchises there was like every day i'd check the and and like someone would have taken a vote off one other film and like we had like one rise to the top and then one rise to second place and then drop to like third while another one rose to second place it was very exciting um yeah but before we get into that, Richard, do you want to pull it up and, and so you've got it in front of you um, so you can announce it for us? But before we announce it, I do just want to say that if you enjoyed this podcast, then you can find us over on all the social medias, Cole Popture at all the places, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, um, Instagram, I already said that. Um, we've also got our Discord that I mentioned, which there'll be a link to in the show notes. You should definitely join the Discord, the Patreon, as we mentioned, um, and you can yep. email us at media at gmail.com. Subscribe everywhere like everywhere um we would very much appreciate your support whether it's monetary or just loving um and richard tell us what is our next film franchise Fortnite? all right our next film franchise Fortnite uh is of is one of those franchises that feels long overdue mm. for us to cover on this podcast uh it's a disney franchise yay uh, but it might not be what comes to mind immediately when you think disney uh it's pirates of the caribbean the five Damn. film franchise famous for its diminishing returns mm. um and it's funny like i i as i mentioned i left leave watching friday night so late yeah <laughs> um I'm i'm probably gonna go watch the first pirates of the caribbean right now <laughs> and then probably leave two to five very late mm. Yeah, um, I'm very excited. I I deeply, deeply love the first film, but I haven't had an excuse does. to watch it since before we did the we've done this podcast. I've, yeah, because well, you've seen all five, right? Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah, I've I've watched one, two, and three, and I I believe I've said on the podcast before that until this podcast, the third one was the worst movie I'd ever seen. Wow. There we go, everybody. So, so look tune forward in to in that. two weeks to see if that opinion holds up. <laughs> We will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned. Stay tuned for for the post credit scene. scene. Yeah, all right. See you later, everybody. All right, all right. Go watch Fright Night. Yeah. Any of them. Even the bad ones. (laughs) No, 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 don't. I'll fucking watch it, pussies. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone.
this is a post-credit scene uh, brought to you by our Patreon. This is a special little scene, just because you're a special little guy. Listen to this. Or girl. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so, the, <laughs> so this is where for just uh, $5 dues on our Patreon, you can, among other things, suggest a topic for us to discuss. And so oh, quite often mm. it's a question, but today it's not. It's not. Well, it is a question. They just didn't put a question mark on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is from Craig Major, who asks, can you please do a review of Too Many Cooks? Yeah, man. So what is Too Many Cooks? It's good. Um, Too Many Cooks, from what I understand, is like an Adult Swim short film. Yeah, uh, it's part of about... a, It's actually part of a series um, mm. called, like, that doesn't have... Uh, the, the, and the show is just called um, Infomercials. Um, and so it's like, it's essentially this... It's, it's like the umbrella title for a project of 15-minute um american uh, adult swim tv specials um and they're mostly played um about 4 a.m um and they're not in the guide under anything um you know it's it's in the middle of like a block of i guess infomercials um and so too many cooks was like kind of the big one that took off but there was also um, unedited footage of a beer that like yeah man yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, I watched it for the first time like, the other way, actually. It's great. I love unedited footage of a beer. Um, what is there? Where can I find a list of infomercial episodes? Um, I could go to look, look on Too Many Cooks Wikipedia page and then click on infomercials. Uh, but yeah, so Too Many Cooks is essentially, it's like a parody of an 80s or 90s TV show um, theme where mm-hmm. um, the characters like are uh, in the middle of a situation and then turn to the camera and smile and their name comes up and then it delves into like and so then it's like an endless cast so first off the joke is that it's like there's just like a hundred people in the show and then it starts becoming this like surreal there's like a serial killer and then yeah yeah um but i think it's like the the background of it that it, that it aired at like 4 a.m no one knew it was happening. And that, that's kind of how it rose to prominence. I saw, saw I remember seeing on the front page of Reddit that was like, Adult Swim aired this at 4am last night with no fanfare. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's um, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it's fu- it's very funny. I One of my favorite things about it is that um, a show, a sitcom from the 80s would be called Too Many Cooks because their surname of the main family would be Cook. Yeah, Which yeah. I don't know if it's specified in it, but it's like that's exactly how TV show concepts were developed. Yeah. <laughs> As they got a saying, made the surname of the character, like Fuller House is a great example yeah, yeah. recently of this. Um, so I really enjoy that about it. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's it's great to show someone who has no idea what's going on, and um, mm. it's funny as uh, one of the one of the girls from it, Caitlin Nakin, because there were all the the actors actually like appear with their real names, but it's um she then showed up in The Walking Dead, <laughs> and it was like what the hell? <laughs> so, um, Craig, who suggested this question, or suggested we do this for the post credit scene, um, I think he once asked, "What's the most creepy?" I probably got it written in front of me. It was like his other post-credit scene that he's he already asked, because this is his second one. Um, was like, oh yeah, an example of something that your brain just failed to completely um, 
recognize or whatever. Mm. And I talked about a scene from a art piece YouTube web series called Alan Tutorial. And it's called Alan Tutorial because it was run by Alan Resnick, who is a big player in these infomercials. So he made... Mm. Um, uh, he didn't. He he helped with unedited footage of a bear. Uh, he wrote it, um, or one of the writers for it. But he also made this house has people in it, which Craig showed me years and years ago. Um, which is a great fucking weird fucking short film. Like Alan <laughs> Resnick does these like they they're just quirky enough to be considered comedies, um, but they're like pretty serious all up and this house has people in it is like a like a 10 minute short film that's that just flicks between different security cameras of a house like with a family living in Mm. it and um the the main kind of crux of it is is one of their kids is sinking through the floor and like it's just it's just the various places in the house dealing with that um and the most intriguing thing about it is at one point it cuts to just the sun in the lounge watching tv and as it cuts to it you see what looks like a sonic the hedgehog shaped monster like walk outside the window and then nothing it never comes up again (laughs) (laughs) and and i we looked i looked into it and it turns out you know with with a lot of these things with unedited footage of a bear and with this house is people in it with alan tutorial there's a whole like you follow a website that you see written down in the video and it comes you know you you work out and unravel the mystery for yourself um so pretty cool stuff not something i have the patience to fully look into but i i goddamn respect it (laughs) imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.